0: problems you get and jealousy and envy is, is something that comes with the territory man a lot of people it's just negative energy like my man pump said what country are you from what what well, ain't no country i ever heard of they speak english in what what english mother do you speak it
1: man you've been doing all this dope producing you ain't had a chance to show him what time it is so what you want me
0: to do Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 418 of the Spurs cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I'm your host, Ryan McCallum, and with me, as always, riding high after a big Thanksgiving feast, it's Jose Grijalva. Jose, how you doing, man?
1: Uh, well, I, I did eat a lot, but, you know, after Thanksgiving, I, I decided to do corn. You know, the, like the ab sections or the flab section, as I like to call it, you know, when I do it. Man, I'm so sore, I'm pondering even doing it. I, I'm just thinking about being those heavy lifters with the big gut because, I mean, that that's way easier. I'm just – I'm regretting everything I ate for Thanksgiving.
0: I was going to say, think of those gains, man. Think of those gains while you're shoveling mashed potatoes in your mouth.
1: And, and the ironic part is, you know, I ate only like two plates. But it's like three plates of an, you know, a, an average plate. You know, it's like three of a, of an average plate. So I didn't eat that many plates, but it was a big old helping.
0: Well, yeah, I I went, um, I I did probably the dumbest Thanksgiving uh, plan, probably you know ever. I, I went on a juice cleanse, which is a typical Austin thing to do. It's a very hippie thing. We go on juice cleanses here in Austin, and so I, I, what that entails is you get six juices a day. And that's all you have. that's all you have to eat is six juices a day. And I did that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So throughout those three days, all I had was juice and I'm talking vegetable juice and you know fruit juice and a mixture of the two, but you know in between. That's so why I had six juices a day for three days. and then on Thanksgiving, I went hard on potatoes, sweet potatoes um you know of course the turkey of course the gravy i'm not a stuffing guy so i didn't really do too much of stuffing i tried it uh but it's not for me um and i gotta tell you i felt horrible thursday night (laughs) i felt awful thursday after eating so healthy i mean not eating at all just going to the cleanse and then and then hitting up probably the worst food you could have for for your body on a Thursday.
1: Well, you know that didn't sound so bad because you know when you said I went on a juice uh, uh, cleanse, I was thinking this dude did not just blend up turkey and mashed potatoes and all this and just chug it. Because I mean, I that, that would have just literally grossed me out. Did you get one of those juices from those that Austin place that you love so much? Juice I forgot. Land. The-
0: That's it. Yes, I did. I went to Juice Land and uh, and I bought their a three day cleanse. It was about one hundred and fifty bucks. Um, but you know, since that, like I, I even today, I went on a cleanse. I went on a one day cleanse because you feel great leaving the cleanse from Juice Land. But then the next day, after you go hard on some turkey, you feel horrible after eating all that turkey. I mean, I'm talking about you feel disgustingly horrible, like <laughs> like you've got some digestive problems, if you know what I mean.
1: And do they – I mean do they have one specifically for that or is it
0: yes. basically
1: just – oh, okay. Because I was yeah. going to ask like well, what did it have in it? Like did it have a, those vegetables that you – know, yeah. I, I don't eat that vegetable that much so I wouldn't – no.
0: Well, I mean in Austin, we only eat kale, right? I mean think of any hipster thing and that's what I do, right? And that's what we do here in, in A-Town, in the ATX, right? And So uh, they have their own little – their own version of – you know, hipster juice cleanse, and that's what I did. And you can mix and match, and it sounds like we're doing a spot. Is this the read for for Juice Land or what, man? We're supposed to be getting on with the Spurs cast, episode 418. we got a lot to talk about, and all we're doing is talking about my juice cleanse.
1: Yeah, your bowels. I think we should move to the <laughs> to the Spurs cast.
0: Well, uh, guys, today, you know, Jose and I are going to talk schedules. We're going to talk standings. We're going to talk home record, which is – pretty mediocre in fact it's exactly mediocre it's four and four for the San Antonio Spurs uh and we're going to talk the rookie ladder because it's really intriguing now I mean I think there's one person running away with it but you know there are several that are that are right there really interesting rookies this year um so w- we'll start with the home record and you know Jose Spurs right now they're 10-0 and on the road one of the best I mean t- best ever I mean starting 10-0 and is, is incredible. The Spurs are on the road tonight in Dallas, uh, consequently with the the city I just left about three hours ago. And uh, uh, they're doing phenomenal on the road. At home, however, it's a very unspurs-like team this year. Four and four at home. What's going on?
1: I, I, I wish I could answer that. You know, on the road... You know, they're energized. The role players are playing extremely well, which is really the opposite. You you find that the opposite. The role players usually play better at home. The Stars usually play better on the road. Uh, But, you know, just I've been trying to analyze it, trying to come up with, you know, something that, you know, to give a good reason why they're playing so horrible at home. I mean, it's not the fans. The fans are still, I mean, they're probably more energetic than they have been in past years. So, I, you know, I, I really don't know what it is. Well, one of the things that I saw against the Magic, and I mean that was a disappointing loss, uh, but I mean the Warriors lost two and the Clippers lost to, and I think it was in double overtime or something like that, right? So, I, you know, but the one thing that I noticed during the home games is the role players try to do a lot. You know, they, they try to overcompensate for whatever reason. It, you know, just for an example here, uh, th- there was a drive, I think, in the last four minutes. Uh, the Spurs tried to come back. They put Manu uh, in the game and Jonathan Simmons. And, and I, I think it was Aldridge and Kawhi, I, I think. Uh, but, it, you know, it was really trying to get that last run to see if it was there. And Manu was driving and Simmons comes and brings, you know, brings more congestion into the lane. You know, and, and it's those little things that, yeah. you know, that, that happens where, I mean, it, it makes the whole difference because now Manu can't throw up an easier layup. And it, it makes sense because Simmons can't shoot, uh, you know, consistently. And Manu is really ha- – he's been the con- more consistent shooter uh, from those two. But, I mean, it's little things like that that, you know – I really don't know how you'd coach them. You know, maybe it's a lineup change, maybe trying to find out who can play better at home, who's that really the, the juice unit there, you know. But other than that, I really can't, you know, can't really come up with the reason. Paul Garcia uh, from Project Spurs mentioned that, uh, I think Manu mentioned that the Stars then try to play more one-on-one at home, so it might be that. Uh, but I, you know, I, I really can't explain it. You, what do you think? I know you've been watching Spurs games, even though you've been traveling, selling uh, encyclopedias. Encycl- i can't say that word. Uh, those old books that we don't use anymore, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I I can't place it really either. Right? The Spurs are supposed to have a home court advantage, and uh, you know they're playing phenomenal on the road. I get that, but at home, I I want to say that it's because these are not your old Spurs because of the departure of Tim Duncan, right? That it's, it's not the same vibe, it's not the same culture, it's, it's just not the same feel. You have so many new players, uh, particularly with Pau Gasol, playing extensive minutes. I mean, you know, Pau Gasol right now uh, it has the fifth most minutes on this team, uh, 25.6 minutes per game. So he's playing a lot of minutes. I, at least I feel that way for Pau, you've got some new players you've got some uh, some young players that are coming in and so at home do you really have a home court advantage because these guys haven't really been here year over year so what does it mean to them so you know to, to play in San Antonio right now I, I think there's a bit of that that you know the fans don't know these players the players don't know these fans they don't know the court they don't know if they have an advantage or not so I, I feel like there's a, a a bit of that I I want to agree with you in, in terms of um, you know, the points per game and the mix of the points per game, uh, and I'm not taking road versus home into account here, but do you find it troubling that a player like Danny Green, a starter, is, uh, he's playing 26 minutes a game and he's only getting 7.7 points per game? Is that problematic for a starting shooting guard? I, I feel like it is, and I, I feel like that's reflective of the, uh, of the record at home.
1: You know, I, I really don't think so, just because, I mean, he's not going to see that many shots. Uh, Paul Gasol is an offensive guy, even though I think Pop said that he's not looking for Gasol to be a scorer. I mean, Gasol, that's his, you know, he's so versatile. He can shoot, he can put the ball on the floor. Uh, you know, you can run a pick and roll with him uh, as a ball handler, you know, four and five pick and roll, or whatever you want to try uh, Kawhi's been really the guy this year. So he, I mean, he's a mismatch against anybody. You know, sort of like LeBron, whoever's covering, covering him, you really don't care. You give him the ball. And Aldridge is also an offensive guy who can, uh, pick and pop and, you know, sort of post up a little bit. Uh, the, the. You know, Danny Green's not going to see that many shots unless they double team those guys. And I think they've been trying to play them uh, as straight up as possible because, again, you don't want to leave all those shooters open. Because remember, this isn't like Thiago Splitter where he's going to be setting, uh, you're going to have somebody setting screens off the ball and so forth. You know, with these guys, they're just going to spread the floor and really have their pickings with whoever can, you know, whoever has the mismatch or the, the best opportunity to score. So, you know, that's not really what I think is is the problem with, with that unit. Uh, you, you were talking about the o- offensive unit, right? One of the things that sort of troubles me is, and again, when when I'm going to sort of, cr- I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing these guys, but when I'm observing them. It's not really that I think they suck because I mean it, I know you've gotten some Spurs fans hate you know on Twitter right. Well, you dissed this guy so uh, or you said he wasn't that good and so forth or didn't play that good so now you hate him. You know th- this isn't what I'm going to mean by this, but the one that sort of worries me is Tony Parker yeah. because he's really the odd man out. He he he's always been that pick and roll pick, pick and pop guy. He's really being relegated. I said that right? Relegate? Like uh, relegated. Yeah, yeah to being a spot up shooter. You know, and that's not really his game, even though he could probably do it in spots, but that's really not his game. Uh, so, you know, I-, I think he's really one of the odd men out, you know, in, in the in the starting unit that really kind of hurts them in a sense. I mean defensively he's been pretty good. I mean, he's focused a lot on the defensive end, you know, especially that Golden State game. Go watch him; he's energized, he's chasing Steph Curry around like crazy. Uh, and I, and I think that's the same problem with somebody like Jonathan Simmons. He's a really good player, but he's one dimensional on the offensive end. He's not a spot up shooter. He's a guy who can put the ball on the floor and do something with it. You know, sort of like a Corey Maggette. Uh, and you sort of saw that in the Magic game where he tried to uh, he, he went middle and then you try to throw a pass to Danny Green and it was probably one of the ugliest passes that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. it, it was it was the pass that I, I forgot who was guarding him but he got called for a for a uh, for a defensive foul. But you know it, it's little stuff like that. I don't I think the problem with the Spurs is you have a bunch of talented players that are not versatile players. So, you know, they're not going to be spreading the floor that much like a Jonathan Simmons, a Kyle Anderson, or a, or a Tony Parker. I think those guys are really the odd men out. Even though they have the talent, they're good players, they might be causing some of that congestion in the paint or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the the lack of chemistry uh, to make everything work.
0: So, I, I don't want to do a bunch of comparisons during the podcast. That's fine. Well, there's other times for that. But I look at the, the point guard play, the true point guard play of of San Antonio, I, at least the listed uh, point guard play. And then I want to look at, at, at players like Russell Westbrook. If I look at the assist numbers for Tony Parker and Patty Mills, well, hell, let's just add in Manu there because Manu really is the point guard on that second unit, Right. I look at numbers like 4.3 assists for Tony Parker, 3.3 for Patty Mills. Who's a shooter? Not really, a, not a true point guard, but he's getting 3.3 assists. That's the second most on this roster. And then Manu at 2.3 assists. What is that? That's 7, 8, 9, 9.6. That's 10.1 assists per game. That's the output of Russell Westbrook. He's, he's being unbelievable this year, Russell Westbrook is, and, and is averaging a triple-double. But do you think it's a problem that three Spurs players, three point guards, uh, top assist leaders on this team are, uh, aren't are even averaging the assist uh, output of one player? Uh,
1: well, I mean, it, it doesn't because, uh, you know, right when they cross, you know, uh, half court to play offense, it goes to Kawhi or it goes to, uh, to Aldridge or they, they try to run something. You know, it, it's not really that ball movement type flowing, of offense, you know. Yeah, which is no problem. But, you know, the thing that I also see the problem with is that's what they're trying to run. And, you know, one thing that I was thinking about yesterday was maybe they should just go with a triangle offense with Powell, uh, Aldridge, and Kawhi and try to run something like the Lakers used to. Uh, this is cue this is where all Spurs fans cringe a little. But, I mean, I think they, they're trying to run that beautiful game type of game. We're really if you're gonna focus on three guys who are not point guards, I think you got to change your scheme somewhat or make a trade. And, and I, you know, make a trade for a guy like uh, maybe a Marco Bellinelli you know, and, and trade him for a Jonathan Simmons or something like that. Where you know, again, that, that's where uh, that they miss players like that. Like a Bellinelli can shoot, he can pass, uh, he can score, he you know, he can run point guard sometimes. You know, again, they have the talent, they just. It seems like they're struggling to fit into that scheme, uh, where maybe the, uh, some change is needed or some trade is needed if they want to keep the same scheme, uh, you know, the same uh, offensive scheme going forward. But uh, it, it just feels uneasy because it, it seems like everybody's out of sync, and the buckets they get, they're not the, you know, they're really not the best buckets. Yeah. Y- you think they could? Uh, you remember what the Spurs used to say? You see a good shot, but you pass up for the better shot. Yeah. Nowadays, it seems like that best shot is the better shot, you know, so, or the first shot is the better shot, so, uh, you know, so I think something needs to change, it all just depends on what the Spurs really want to do, do they, they want to change the scheme, or do they want to change personnel to fit that scheme, I mean, it's really up to them, to the coaching staff and pop, uh, you know, all we can do is really speculate on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, can you really see them making a trade, that's that's very unspurs-like, right, in, in mid-season, right, or, or making, a, making a move, I just... I don't buy it, right? I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I'm not tracking you there. I, I think that this is their squad for the year, and I think it's a strange setup. Just like you mentioned, I, the Spurs are are fantastic, and we'll talk about standings and where they fit and you know the top teams in the NBA and, and all that kind of stuff here here in a bit. Uh, they're almost doing it in spite of themselves because I look at the way that they're playing and they're winning games on the road, and that's fantastic. And and they're I think we gave them a, an excuse for their mediocre home record but they look a little uneven and you mentioned that in your last comments they just look uneven they're winning in spite of themselves and i mean they're winning and and, and doing great and you know have the the golden state win and uh and, and that's wonderful but there's just something about it that's a little uneasy i'm trying to put my finger on what exactly it is but you know playing iso ball with Kawhi or iso ball with lamarcus and neither one of those guys has the output of some of these other players that we're seeing that are you know competing for MVP type of status. So we're talking about the elites, but that's what we think of Kawhi, right? Because he's one of the elites, and we look at him versus these other players, and I see things like you know twenty what is he twenty four points a game or something like that? Kawhi, what is he? Oh, yeah. I don't know, like twenty four points a game, three assists, six rebounds. And I look at that and say, okay, that's our elite guy for San Antonio. Uh, and then I look around the league at some of these other elite players, and you know, he's, is he a t- he's not even top five guy in the league right now, statistically. So our elite guy, and we're playing iso ball, we're not moving the ball, San Antonio is not, uh, the way that they have been before. They, It looks like they want to do that, but they're not necessarily doing it. It still ends up in the same two guys' hands. It's either LaMarcus or Kawhi. Uh, and they're not having the statistical output to make them specifically elite players in the league again statistically that's a little it's just a little uneven it's like they're trying to do something and it's not really working out and they're kind of winning in spite of themselves oh, yeah
1: and you know you really brought up that you know that good point where again it's really again it's the scheme you know it's what what offense they want to they're really throwing out there you know what plays they're throwing out there again maybe a triangle offense would would help that out. I mean, again, you know, with the Lakers, even though it was Shaq and Kobe, Robert Ory got shots, you know, Derek Fisher got shots. Same thing when, when the, when the Lakers had Andrew Bynum and Pau Gasol and, uh, and Kobe Bryant and, uh, uh, Lamar Odom, all those guys still got shots. So, uh, you know, unless you want to do a lineup change, I mean, that's always in question too. That's one of the things where I was thinking, you know, maybe what if you just start Petty Mills? And you run that same type of offense. You tell Patty to be pressuring the heck out of whatever player he's guarding. And then you bring Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and, uh, David Lee. And, uh, I'm missing somebody, you know, Jonathan Simmons off the bench or, you know, Bertens, uh, which would be a really interesting unit, you know, in itself, you know. But I, I mean, it's really again what they want to do. I, I, I wish I knew Pop, you know, because it's bugging me personally. Because you know, I'm trying to think of all these situations, and again, you get different situations depending on how you're thinking about this. Uh, if it was me, I'd just change the the scheme, just go with the triangle, and, and see what happens. But uh, you know, there, there's so many options out there for the Spurs that sometimes it's a it's a bad thing to have all those options because again, uh, you know, you have you, you have a, such a talented squad that again, and you had this this uh, type of um, mindset coming into the season that. You know, it it sort of seems sacrilege to try to you know blow everything up, but either on the offensive end or with the roster. So well,
0: uh, I don't have
1: envy, envy pop in that
0: sense. Well, speaking of roster and lineup changes, I, I I can't stop myself from focusing on my boy your boy Kyle Anderson. Has Jonathan Simmons taken all of his play? Jonathan Simmons had nineteen, right at nineteen minutes a game. He uh, that's five minutes more than Kyle Anderson's playing. They're, you know even though they don't have the same style of play they play the exact same position that stretch you know forward role simmons is un- somehow only scoring six points a game that that's i feel like he's higher than that but you know numbers are numbers six six points a game kyle's at two points a game uh, simmons has two assists kyle's got 0.8 assists <laughs> Uh, Their rebounding Kyle Anderson, and you would expect this, is a little bit higher, 2.8 to 2.3. Uh, but from a field goal percentage, Jonathan Simmons is, uh, is about 5 uh, percentage points higher than Kyle Anderson. He's getting more minutes. Has Pop totally lost faith in Kyle Anderson?
1: I think it was in, how, how do I say, blind faith? I I don't know how to describe it, that he went with Anderson in the first place. One of the things that I've always said about Kyle Anderson, he's a nice guy. I, you know, I, you wow. know, Summerlee, you've <laughs> seen him there. Uh, you always want to start off with a compliment, even <laughs> though you're probably going to backhand <laughs> You're going to
0: sandwich it, too. You're going to say compliment, <laughs> then you're going to tell me everything that's bad about him, and then you're going to say another compliment. Watch. He's you, a nice guy a and he's tall.
1: He can easily step on me and squish me uh, because I'm five five and he's like six seven, right? But you know the problem with him is he came in with that Boris Diaw comparison. You remember that? Well he can you know he can come off the bench and he could, you know, take care of the offense, you know, Patty and, and Ginobili he can help them out. The problem is he's a tweener in that sense. And again there's a difference between being a tweener, uh an in betweener and, uh, and a versatile player. A versatile player can do so many things. A tweener is like a shooting gu- uh, shooting guard stuck in a point guard's body sort of deal. And that's where he's at. He's really a small forward that should be playing power forward. But he's not strong enough. He's too slow to play small forward. Uh, you know, he can't really post up. If he gained a little bit more strength, if he if he gained a little bit more muscle, and he could play that DL role, I think it's possible. But, I mean, he's been stuck physically on the same body, he's not that strong, and he's not that quick. I mean, uh, unless you're going to put him at the four, he re- he. I, I can't see him in the NBA being a uh, really a, a contributor in the league. So, I mean, I, I feel bad for him because, again, he's a nice guy, right? And uh, uh, he has good taste in shoes when he plays. So there's that other compliment sandwich. No, exactly.
0: See, you couldn't help yourself. You went, compliment, I hate you, and then compliment.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how you have to do it because you have to lessen the blow. But I just, I just, I mean, I feel bad because, again, you know, you think he has a lot of potential. I think he has to just change the mindset and be, I'm going to be a power forward, you know, again, gain muscle, you know, uh, get, you know, be ready ready to be beaten up on the post-ups and, you know, try try to live, you know, with that. Sort of like Diao. But the the difference is Diao just got big and he always had quick feet. Anderson doesn't really have quick feet. Oh, uh, he's just slow. So you know something has to change there. But I again, nice guy.
0: Do you think Kyle Anderson makes his way back down to the Austin Spurs? Because let me position it this way: is that you know I, I'm going to kill this guy's name, Lapra I man, I wish Paul Garcia was here, Laper Vitola. <laughs> and uh, between him and Bertans, can't those guys as a as a tandem? You know, one being a guard, one being a forward. Couldn't they take those minutes and be more effective uh, in the NBA, especially with Bertan's three-point capability over Kyle Anderson? Why? I mean, more in in less time. Like like Bertan's. I I don't have it in front of me, but his his per thirty-six has to be incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't look at that stuff. But one of the, I mean I look at the how he plays and when he's a center or when he has to sort of take care of the paint. I mean you see his instincts. He's looking at the ball. He's looking all across the, you know, the the rest of the floor and he's looking at at wherever his guy is. So I mean, he has this alertness that uh, again, he's going to be valuable. He's already better than your boy Matt Bonner, right? We can just whoa, forget Matt Bonner and all those years. It's all Bertens now. La, La to- Oh yeah, I wish Paul was here. The argue point guard. Yeah. That's how I tweet his name. Uh, I think he's being groomed, and I wish Paul was here so he could answer this. I think he's really being groomed as the backup to take Patty Patty's place if Patty leaves in free agency. Uh, he's sort of Manu esque, uh, but in the point guard position, in the literal position. I, I think the Spurs are very high on him. That's why they sort of basically promised him a spot. You know, th- that's why I never thought that you know that he was never not going to make the team because. Uh, you know, they promised him, they sort of begged him to go over there. So, uh, I, I, think he's, he's already going to be on the team. And I think pop knows what he sort of wants to do with him. Uh, but yeah, you know, they can certainly do better than, uh, than Kyle Anderson can. I don't see him going to the D league. I think that would be the ultimate insult to sort of brand him as a D leaguer. That's where I think a trade might come in and, you know, Kyle Anderson with somebody for somebody else that might be tempting, you know, for for another team. You know, maybe like a Jonathan Simmons and a Kyle Anderson for uh, somebody who can sort of take over the offense uh, off the bench and, you know, sort of balance out whatever the Spurs are missing. Well,
0: play speculation. I mean, who would that somebody be?
1: Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't, you know, I I don't really know who's on the trade block right now. Uh, It's too early to tell. But if I were to make a trade, if you tell me trade anybody uh, so so you could sort of balance out the Spurs – Uh, why not, uh, uh, Tony Parker. Ooh, I I thought you were going to say something. I I thought you were going to, you know, gasp or something. Tony Parker, Jonathan Simmons, and Kyle Anderson for, like, Rudy Gay or something. That's what I would do. Okay,
0: so, so not bad, but, but let me, let me put this to you. I I don't know if I'd get rid of Jonathan Simmons, because the athleticism is, is just ridiculous, and as a defender, the guy can only improve, but, but I, I would be of the mindset of you know packaging up uh, Kyle Anderson. And I, I know we're playing pure speculation. But if you could get rid of Kyle Anderson and then go back after this guy um, who just left, would you do this? Could Would you go back to Utah and get Boris Dio back?
1: Uh, I'd rather ask about George Hill. Hill. No, you, you know what the, the thing about Dio
0: is the, the, is? the Kyle Anderson experiment has not worked. He is not no, replacing Boris Diaw.
1: No, but but the thing about Boris Diaw, and I've I've always been enamored by Bo- Boris Diaw. You know, when he went to the Suns, I mean, that's when I started, you know, being impressed with the guy. I'm following him everywhere. The thing about him is, if he doesn't have a consistent role, and I'm sorry about those dogs barking in the background, uh, those cons- that consistent role with consistent minutes, and you know, off the bench or starting. He gets bored. And you saw that last year with with David West. When David West started taking his minutes and started taking his role, it all went downhill. He, I, he looked a little bit bigger. He looked a little bit slower, a little bit uninterested. He wasn't as aggressive as he used to be. Coming in with the Spurs right now, unless you put Bertens at the three, which I really don't like. I prefer him at the four. Uh there's really going to be no place for Boris Diaw. How can he play next to David Lee? You know, at the same time. So, uh, I would not trade for him. I would ask more about George Hill, and again, try to ship out somebody, maybe Patty, uh, no. and somebody else. To, somebody else. George <laughs> Hill off the bench. Yeah.
0: But can you, you, you can you, you imagine you a defensive Patty unit Mills with George before you deal huh? Tony Parker? You deal Patty uh, Mills before Tony Parker.
1: Uh, for I mean. I really don't think about it that way. I think about who would be coming in. Think about a defensive lineup between George, with George Hill, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Burton, and whoever you want uh, as a center. Pau Gasol or LaMarcus Aldridge. That would be a uh, – perimeter-wise, nobody would get a shot up. You could take on the Warriors with that lineup. I love that lineup. Of course, if it would take Patty Mills, uh, I would trade Patty Mills in a heartbeat for George Hill.
0: You're crazy. You're uh, Sorry, man. Uh, you're crazy. <laughs> Get rid of Patty. I mean, Patty Mills for George Hill from a defensive perspective. But Patty Mills offensively, let me pull these numbers back up here. Here we go. Well, no, I mean, Patty Mills is one of the top scorers in this. He's the third top scorer on this team, which is ridiculous. He scores more than Powell. He's at 11 points per game.
1: But why does he score more than Powell? Because of pow- because of his cast. It's not like he does it on his own, though.
0: What? Petty Mills? Like, the, the king of creating his own shot? Doesn't do it on his own? What are you talking about? What's in the I think water you've gone Arizona crazy. These days?
1: What, what's your end game, bro? I just George wanted- Hill is scoring 20 points per game, three three uh, 3.5 rebounds, and 4 assists a game.
0: We need more points. More points.
1: He's scoring 20 points. Who? George Hill. No. 20 no. points per game. 20 points per game, bro.
0: I didn't know that. <laughs> I I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. Get rid of Deal Patty. Give Give me the twenty points per game. Interesting. I did not know that. Twenty points a game. Is it the scheme? I mean, is that it, what's going on out there that he's getting twenty points a game? Because that's not what you have gotten from George Hill in Indiana, right? He's not a twenty point per game scorer.
1: No, the most he got was sixteen. Yeah, that's what maybe it's that Mormon influence. You never know.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Has it got to be the system or something? Anyway, um, we, we digress. So I think we started this conversation on the point of the Spurs are mediocre at home and they're great on the road. On the road record, ten and zero on the road, and they're playing in Dallas tonight. If they get to eleven and zero, is that all time NBA? Is that historic records? I'm starting out the year. What what does that what does that look like? I mean, I'm sure the Warriors last year. I mean, they went twenty four and zero, right? Uh, to start the season
1: yeah they they went uh i'm trying to look for that list that um, they
0: on the road because i mean we're we're nearing historic territory certainly for the spurs 10 and 0 on the road perhaps 11 and 0 on the road because Dirk's out tonight uh as well yeah and
1: and i credit uh maybe future for another show paul castro you know the play-by-play guy uh for the spurs uh, he, he, you know he posted a, a, a post uh, talking about the longest road win streaks to start the season this is from I think um, ESPN this is NBA history uh, the 196970 Knicks, the 61 62 Celtics 60 and 61 Celtics uh, the 93 94 rockets the 2015 to 2016 warriors and now the 2016 and 17 Spurs uh, again they started 10 and 10 uh, uh, ten wins, uh, ten and zero on the road, and all those teams won a championship except the Warriors. So uh, it's it's I, I don't know, man. So uh, you're saying the Spurs winning the
0: title this
1: year? Well, the, the, I think the Warriors went to the Warriors had fourteen. They went fourteen and zero, and they didn't win. So they were they won the most out of those. Then the next twelve. The both Celtics teams won ten, and the Spurs are at nine. Uh, so I mean, they'd have to get to fifteen and zero to be historic. But at the same time, uh, that's going to put a lot of pressure on them, especially about a team that we just were complaining about that they weren't as efficient, that they're not as balanced, they're not as consistent uh, on the road and and away uh, and home. So uh, I think it'll put a lot of pressure on them if they you know if they decide to go that road and and uh, you know make history. So I, I don't know. I just don't trust this team. Is that weird? This no, is the it's first not first time. I, I'm right there with this you. I a- think they're
0: winning in spite of themselves. It, it's, very, it's just very strange. They're trying to play somewhat of that beautiful game. S- somewhat, right? Because they're trying to move the ball. It's like they're trying to make two extra passes offensively, um, and the ball still just ends up with Kawhi or LaMarcus anyway. Right, regardless. It just it still finds its way back to those guys. So the diversity offensively is just not there. I'm with you. I'm not sure I trust this team yet. I don't think they have found their way. They're they're winning, and that's awesome. It's way better than losing, clearly. But are they are they dominant? Are they doing what they want to do, or are they just kind of following or falling back into um, something that's comfortable, which is give Kawhi the ball and let him figure it out? Maybe it's Kyle Anderson's fault. Maybe I that's what we get out of this. I think it is. I is. Let's get off Kyle Anderson. Let's get to rookie. You
1: know, but, but also, you mentioned that Tim Duncan not being there. This is the first year without Matt Bonner. So maybe it was that Matt Bonner influence that kept everybody calm, maybe wanting to make that extra pass, and they blew it. All thanks to David Lee. You know, things so really took went downhill
0: spot. after they got rid of Ray McCallum. Clearly, things went How's downhill. How's he doing? You
1: guys had a family reunion?
0: Yeah, he's doing well. Uh, he's playing for the, the D League affiliate for Detroit, um, which is, you know, he needs to get his game together and then, and then he'll be back. He'll be back in the NBA, killing it in the Eastern Conference. Ray McCallum, 2018, most improved player. Calling it now. And I probably am the only person calling it. Let, let's uh, stop, uh, <laughs> stop talking about people who aren't rookies and let's talk about rookies, man. Rookie Ladder, NBA.com, uh, you know, get top five rookies. Do you have a top five rookies? I mean, t- t- for me, it's it's one guy's running away with it. I got interest in the second guy. But this is kind of, I mean, Joel Embiid is, is Rookie of the Year, even though getting 24 minutes per game uh, as a limitation, you know, he's capped at 24 minutes a game. He's been Rookie of the Month in the Eastern Conference in November and October, Or you know November and they they bridge those two things together November and like the week in October that the NBA is in session. I mean he he's killing it over there. He's doing fantastic. He's what we thought he was. I look at this Joel Embiid show. Even though he's not a true rookie, um, it's his deal to to run away with Rookie of the Year. And then I'm interested in Jamal Murray the Denver Nuggets on NBA.com on the rookie ladder. They've got him at at coming in at number four, Um, and then Brandon Ingram at number five. And then there's just some other dudes. Uh, rounding out the top 10. But but do you do you follow the rookies? Do you care about that kind of stuff? I mean, it just seems like a, a subpar rookie class. Yeah, and I mean,
1: Embiid, I, I didn't think it was going to be that dominant, but I guess you got to trust the process, right? Right. Uh, I think he's going to run away with it, too. I, I just can't see. I mean, he's making an impact on a team that, you know, really doesn't have anybody else as far as uh, dominant talent. So um, I think he'll run away with it too. Uh, you mentioned Jamal Murray. I haven't seen any of the Nuggets. So uh, actually, I haven't seen any of these guys. I want to well, see Brandon Ingram. Uh, he needs to gain weight, but you know, oh, yeah. I, I just don't. Dude, I, again, he is
0: thin, thin, thin. Like he's. I think he's losing weight. Like he looks small. <laughs> he looks really, really tiny. And
1: I mean, he he's awkward too. Yeah, like right. when you see like him play, he's not. Yeah, like the first thing I was thinking about, just gain weight and just be a power forward. Don't even try to be a small forward, uh, because I think he'd be more dominant down there, especially in this NBA where it's you know there's not that much post ups. Uh, I, I think Embiid is the only one that matters. Embiid is the only one that matters. Everybody else is sort of just in it to to uh, most improved player next year.
0: Yeah, I I agree. It's Embiid's deal. I, I'm gonna keep tracking of this because. You know, I like to, to kind of get the up-and-coming stars before they're stars. I kind of have pride in trying <coughs> to pick out those kind of guys. But out of this year's class, I mean, Brandon Ingram, maybe. Murray, maybe. Joel Embiid is, is clearly the guy, and he looks awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. I, I love to see that matchup, uh, you know, just of, of young talent, but... Overall, it's it's Joel Embiid and then bust. There's there's nobody else around him. Um, well, that was
1: fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Thanks. It was it was a little segment on rookies. I, I felt like we were neglecting the rookies so far this year on the on the Spurs cast. So I, I wanted to shout that out. Well, let's get back to what people care about. Let's, San Antonio Spurs. Let's talk about the division standings, conference standings, and we'll close on that. I mean, they're, they're obviously tops in the division. They're fourteen and four. I'll give you the rundown through the whole Southwest Conference or Southwest Division. Uh, and then where they sit in the conference, but they're fourteen and four, uh, winning percentage of, of about seventy eight percent. They're eight and three in the conference. They're three and one in the division. Uh, they're in their last ten, which is what I really care about. Like when are they streaking? I mean, they're nine and one, right? They're doing fantastic. Uh, the Grizzlies are, are surprisingly for me. They're uh, they're second in the division, uh, tied with Houston Rockets at eleven and seven. Houston's playing out of their mind. Houston's uh, got a worse conference record, that's why they're down. Uh, they're seven and four, three and one in the division. Uh, New Orleans is seven and twelve, so losing record, but kind of surprising because Anthony Davis is fantastic. Everybody else just sucks, and the Mavs are wow—they are bad, bad, bad. They're three and thirteen on the year. Uh, does anything surprise you in this division? I, I, do, do, are you surprised that the Rockets and Grizzlies are tied at eleven and seven? Uh. Well, I mean, they're not going to be sad for long because uh, Mike Conley's out, you know,
1: definitely, right? So really, that's the Rockets' uh, second place in that division is there for the taking. Uh, I'm more surprised that the that the um, Pelicans are four. What is it? Four games out? Five uh, out of no uh, out of second place, right?
0: Oh, out of se- four and a half out of second, yeah.
1: I mean, that's considering how bad they they started and really how. We were kind of feeling bad for uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean he's really carrying that team. So well, they're six uh,
0: and four in their last ten. That that's why. I mean, they, in their last ten, they're they're doing really well.
1: If, if they make the playoffs, he has to be MVP. I, I you know I know I picked Carl Anthony Towns and he's a really great player. Uh, but and there's your back in the compliment, I guess. Yeah. But you know this guy is just dominating by himself. Uh, and the Mavs, I, I just feel bad for Seth Curry because he deserves better. You know, maybe he should have signed with the Spurs, backup point guard. You know, trade Patty for Seth Curry. You know, have that Curry-Curry lineup. You know, I mean, Curry-Curry duel in the playoffs, and everybody wins.
0: You're, you're high. No way. I
1: just, I, I just feel like here's the deal. Okay, I'm just gonna be honest. I just feel like Patty Mills is gonna have a great year. He's gonna pull a Baines on me. He's gonna pull a Marjanovic on me, and he's just gonna ditch me for the money. And I just I want to ditch him before he ditches me. Break his heart before he breaks my heart. So I so I just want to just trade him for whoever.
0: Well, the Warriors are the best team in the conference, record wise. They're tops in the Pacific. They're sixteen and two, winning percentage of uh, about eighty nine percent. Clippers are are second in that. In that division at fourteen and five, then surprisingly got the Lakers at nine and ten, the Kings at seven and eleven, uh, and then the Suns at five and thirteen. Anything surprise you there in the, in the Pacific? Obviously, the Clippers are playing great. Uh, the,
1: you know, the Clippers don't surprise me, even though the, they're the third seed right now. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of it, they're not consistent. You know, they're, somebody always gets hurt. CP three is gets hurt. Blake Griffin never stays healthy. So maybe at the end of the season, if you t- if you ask me, you know, am I surprised by the Clippers and they're still top three, I, you know, I, I legitimately will be. Uh, the Lakers surprised
0: me. Let me tell you, they're playing great on the curve. I think you're right. They're kind of falling apart right now because they were 14-2. And, and They lost three in a row, right? So they were doing unbelievable. They were clearly the number two team, but they seem to be kind of like breaking apart a little bit.
1: The, the one that surprises me is the Lakers, Lakers how well they've been playing, and yeah. it – I would not be surprised if they keep doing this well. I mean, don't think about this as a championship type of trade this year. But if they keep doing this this well, you know, I I would not be surprised if they try to make a trade to bring in a bigger contract, a a well-established player. And try to run with that, and, and see where it gets them, because that's all they really need. They have some really good young guys, but they need that one guy to try to take over the game. Where when um, you know it, it's sort of falling apart on them, sort of like that Tim Duncan. Remember when, when the Spurs were? Uh, you never know. Maybe Toby. right. Uh, but you know when that when the uh, offense starts falling apart just dump it down to whoever just give the ball to whoever uh and, and have them you know sort of calm everybody down so uh I, I really like the Lakers position especially where their payroll is you know All but right, they have yeah. some bad contracts like uh Mozgov would you know Dude, th- that Mozgov contract looks horrible right now in my opinion I know they had a they had to spend money somewhere to you know get up on the uh, salary he, uh, he's cap minimum
0: the aired damp here.
1: But uh, I mean, you can always try to trade if they can trade him. I mean, I, it only gets better. And they have Dang, but I, I don't think they paid Dang that much, did they?
0: Oh yeah, but, oh yeah, they paid him a bunch. I, I don't, I don't have the uh, the numbers in front of me, but I know they paid him a lot of cash. But you know, well worth it though. I mean, he play- he's a great player. Uh Northwest great division. player, great well, player, well, good player, very good yeah. player. Good for him. I'm talking myself out of Lou Dang right now. Thanks. <laughs> uh, in the Northwest Division, Russell Westbrook and his uh, group of flunkies are 11-8, and eight, tops in the division, 6-4 uh, and four in the conference. They've won three in a row. The Jazz are tied with those guys. Uh, they, they've been on a bit of a streak, winning four in a row at 11-8, uh, 58% winning percentage. Uh, the Trailblazers are nine and ten. The Nuggets are seven and ten. That's a surprising seven and ten. I thought they were going to be the worst. If you went back and checked our preseason predictions, I thought the Nuggets were going to be the bottom. They're not the bottom. Your Minnesota Timberwolves are at the bottom. And to add insult to in- uh, injury, is that right? Insult to injury is that the adage?
1: The, yeah, but nobody's injured, bro.
0: The Timberwolves are thirtieth. 30- 30th out of 30 in attendance. How is that possible?
1: Well, that's a crappy state that voted for uh, Jesse Ventura as governor. So, you know, the fans don't even pay attention to the fans. The one thing I watch about the Timberwolves, because I love the Timberwolves, you know, it's just that young team that you just want to watch, is that they just need to do something with Ricky Rubio. He just doesn't fit there. I would put Zach Levine at the starting point guard and see what you can get for Rubio. Uh, before fans even think about it, because I think somebody started an awful rumor about a Tony Parker-Marco Rubio swap. No, just 15. just no. Not, not even for Patty Mills at this point, okay? Um, but I, I just think they need to get him out of the way, put in more of an offensive-type uh, player at the point guard or small forward. I, personally, I think they should go small, but if, even, if you even call it small, Anthony Towns at the center, uh, Wiggins at the four, and just run, sort of like the Rockets, uh, but it's just so disappointing. I thought they were going to be at least tops in the standings, minimum first place.
0: <laughs> minimum first place. Okay. Uh, Absolutely. Instead, they're third from the bottom. The only two teams that are worse are the Suns at five and thirteen, and the Mavs at three and thirteen. So not uh, the Wolves the, the Suns. So oh my goodness! Not I doing just, so uh, hot, pal. Not doing so hot. They're. Uh, <sighs> let me see. So if the playoffs started today in the West, it'd be Warriors at the top seed. Spurs in the number two seed. Clippers, Grizzlies, Thunder. I'm sorry. Grizzlies, Rockets, Thunder, Jazz, Trailblazers. And the first team out would be the Lakers at 9 and 10.
1: I would not trust the Spurs against Jazz <laughs> right now because I feel like Boris Dio and Georgia would just go off and win it in a seven game series. Well, at this isn't point. it
0: always about the point guard play? Isn't, with the Spurs, isn't it always about the point guard play because of Tony Parker defensively? I mean, Tony Parker can run off and get you get you eighteen points a game in the playoffs, but isn't always, isn't he just such a defensive liability? At this point, I mean, I, you know I don't. Always, I, like I
1: kind of don't think so. I, I'm I'm going to be on the Tony Parker sort of bandwagon here. I don't think so. When you ask him to do one thing, you know, if you're going to ask him to score eighteen points a game in the playoffs, yeah, I think he's going to suck defensively. But if you tell Tony Parker, hey, just play all out on the defensive end, try to stop this guy and offensively the other guys have it. I think he would do really well. Sort of like again the first game where he played really good defense against uh, Steph Curry, but didn't they didn't really rely on him on the offensive end much. Uh I think that would work, you know, but I think he's solid defensively. It's just that when you ask him to do sort of balance it out, he sort of balances out balances it out more on the offensive end. What about Patty Mills? He's not that good defensively. Ryan.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, but he's he's explosive offensively. I, I I don't know. I mean, I I can't see, I can't see. I mean, when when would Popovich ever ask Tony Parker to dominate defensively? When when has that ever happened?
1: Well, he he never needed to, uh, because you always had a Bruce Bowen and you always had a uh, you know Kawhi in, in before. Now Kawhi's the main guy. I I think that's. Again, that that's where Tony Parker just doesn't fit. If you were to have, I'm trying to think of a a defend, who Who's the Rockets' point guard? Not Harden. The other one, Le, Beverly, Patrick, right? Patrick Beverly. Beverly, yeah, the man. If you had if you had a Patrick Beverly on this team, I think it would balance it out more because he doesn't he doesn't need the ball. He doesn't want to be the guy. I think he would fit there. But again, with Parker, it's sort of like you. He always had Bowen, and then he had. Oh, God, I don't want to say Richard Jefferson, but he always had somebody guarding the best player, and then the other the other player, and he would get the third worst offensive player from the one to three positions, and it would sort of balance it out. Now he does. Now that's not the case, and I think that's why it really hurts the
0: Spurs. Patrick Beverly's cousin works at Walmart. By the way,
1: so, how how do you know this? Did so you somebody, did, you, did you see a Beverly? Uh, whatever name Beverly on on the tagging, just like, are are you related? No, related to Mr. Patrick Beverly,
0: who knows somebody who knows the cousin of Patrick Beverly, who works at the Walmart on the south side of Austin.
1: Inside information. So
0: there you go. Deep cuts from the Spurs cast. Deep cuts. All right, man. Well, that's it. That's uh, that's all the time we have uh, for this episode, episode four eighteen of the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Hold uh, up, Brian.
1: Hold up. Hold up. We got to give a book away, bro. Oh,
0: snap! Yes, I'm sorry, Mike Monroe. We have to give away your book, man. And and I told you, I read that book uh, cover to cover, and that was awesome. It's like three hundred pages of just pure nostalgia. And the best part about it is it's open for debate. There's a hundred things that Spurs fans should uh, should know and that they should do before they die. And, you know, I was sitting there debating him on the last podcast. And then even going back and looking at the book, I thought, nah, this one shouldn't be in. You should have this other thing in. We should talk more about Malik Rose, more about Robert Ory, less about Roshan Osterovich, less about Fabrizio Alberto. Uh, so that, that's part of the fun of the book. I'm glad that we we're able to give it away. H- Jose, how do you want to give this book away?
1: Okay, the first thing you got to do is follow at the Spurs Cast. Follow our official Twitter handle. And by the way, it's mostly me uh, tweeting out there. You know, during the games and so forth. I'm trying to convince Ryan to use it. Uh, I'm
0: old it, man. It, I don't, I don't tweet. Is. I just learned what Twitter was.
1: Okay, so you got to follow us at the Spurs Cast. We're going to put up a tweet about the contest, <clears throat> which is. Try to guess uh, the percentage that the Spurs are going to shoot in tomorrow's game, Friday's game. Uh, and the closest one to it wins the book. It's easy as that. Again, you're going to have to um, quote it. Uh, so, again, so all your friends can see where what, what you're taking part in. Show us off a little bit, and then we'll pick the winner that's closest to it. Be creative, too. I mean, just don't say like 31%. You know, Say like 31.5% and beat whatever schmuck says. Uh, you know, thirty-one. You know, so, be that
0: guy. So it's Price's right rules. So it's three-point percentage. Price's right rules. Closest without going over for what game?
1: No, even if you go over, we'll we'll leave it at that. The closest one, you know. So you know, differential for what game? Whatever. Uh, Friday, Friday's game. Who, who do they play? It's when we, we record on Wednesday, so Uh, it's hold on, hold on. Good lord, hold on. The uh, no, they play the maps today.
0: Glad we came prepared.
1: Uh, Friday's game, bro.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: are you? Are you? I can't believe you put me on the spot on that. Hold on. Uh, but yeah, just guess the three point percentage. Uh, you know, it's uh, is it an away game or a home game? They play against the Wizards Friday, December second. Re- remember, guys, it's a home game, so you might want to keep that low considering the uh the record. That's it. I hope they say 1%. (laughs) I hope they say 1% and everybody gets us up and then that 1% wins it on the 22% or something. That'd be great.
0: It could happen. It could happen. All right, man. Well, uh, like I said, that's it for uh, for this episode of the Spurs cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs cast. Catch up with Jose at JRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. Follow us or follow any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Jose, thank you, and to all of you listeners, you are welcome. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.